Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And today I welcome back to the podcast Anne-Catherine Riddle. We have Anne on episode 26, and I asked her to come back so that we can talk about political debate on digital realm, how can we deal with digital platforms, and how to have smart regulation for some of the problems we have been seeing. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell about some of the events organized by ELF for this last week of July. I'm here with Anne Catherine Riddle. Anne, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Thank you for having me again. Oh, we, was, uh, we had a great conversation and our listeners can find that podcast on episode 26. At the time, we talked about the tracking apps for people that could be potentially infected with COVID-19, which, by the way, we are going to talk about something slightly different today. But you want to add something to that conversation, any development lately that have been interesting in that area? Yeah, maybe I should add that I'm uh, at the end really happy about the developments here in Germany and that I installed the app we have right now and that I say to everyone, please install the app because it's a good one. It's not entirely perfect, the environment, but I think we have the best version we could have. And I think it's an, um, also the Brits talking about that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> But I asked Anne to come back because we're going to talk about something that is really important and also that I have a great interest in, and that is the health of the political debate online. I know Anne uh, plays particular attention to that, and you're just mentioning a publication that you had, and we can go into that a little bit later in this conversation. But for a starter, let's... Uh, go into what is the main focus of this conversation and that is we have now a public square for political debate for exchanging ideas for exchanging arguments first we had the squares the cafe the uh, the ballrooms now we have the digital realm the digital platforms in your opinion is this a good thing is this a bad thing there's no like cash value or ethical value associated with it. What are your thoughts on that? Um, first of all, I'm glad we still have cafes. They're very nice. And I think it's also a great development that we have these digital platforms. So like like us, we can be still in contact on, on Twitter, see what the others are doing, um, get informed about certain topics I haven't never heard about but you. And uh, I can stay in contact with a lot of friends and acquaintances and nearly everyone online and we can have discussions. And I can inform people about things they've never heard about and I think we have our values and standards, how we communicate with each other. But I think the problem here is that everything is now bigger, faster, easier to access. And I think we haven't learned yet how to act in the digital sphere. So because we have to remember the Internet is so new. It's just 30 years old and social media platforms like Facebook, just a bit over 10 years And um, so people have to adapt to these new platforms and how to behave there and what is possible and what not. And I think that's a, a big part of the problem. 
Indeed, but these problems, they all like they existed before this new digital world. And that is the conversation and that many times I heard about and that is, well, there's nothing new under the sun and things there always mm. have been polarization. There always have been misinformation. There always have been extreme positions on debates. But again, and as you mentioned very correctly, so this is so new. Do you think that we as humans, can we follow this pace, this incre incredibly fast pace that these things are changing? Or are you afraid that it may get a little bit out of our control and we won't have any mechanisms to uh, be able to get back to some normality? Yeah, I think we, we are in principle able to do that. But I think where the biggest problem is, is that our institutions, the mechanisms, how to develop new ideas, new laws, like how we do politics, for example, mm -hmm. do debates, and that takes always too long. And there's a big problem. We know when we look at the GDPR for data protection on the European level, it took 10 years to make it. And that's a bit too long for this, as you mentioned correctly, this so fast and quick developing world. So we have mm -hmm. so many new things around the, just around the corner we don't even remember that the iphone is also just 10 years old i think so and and it it's so normal in our life right now to have a smartphone and i think the all the how we make new laws how we find new regulations how we adapt our principles to this dev quick developing world is too slow way too slow but i think we we are able but we have to be or, or work more on the foundations of our societies that's a great uh, concept you just in introduced not a new one of course but we also need to learn how to do politics and learn how to do politics online it's a second problem it's a, a compounding problem and one not of them go ahead go ahead that but we also um need to do better regulation which is able to look more forward to that that does not create boundaries but is open for innovation and for all the things we don't know yet what might happen wonderful then let's stick with that because that is one of the questions that i have to do i have to you which is better regulation and we know that European Union is trying to move on to a new uh, digital act so let's start with that and there's a lot of concerns that more regulation could lead to the companies with platform digital with digital platforms to be more stringent to have more filters to try to suppress speech at a priori because they don't want to get into trouble and then that relates also to people because people can self-censorship so let's start with that in your opinion what could be a, be a good regulation a better regulation as you mentioned First of all, of course, platforms have a huge responsibility for what is happening on their platforms and how their platforms are created. It's not only the content on the platform itself, but also um, how it's designed, what is able, what you can do and everything. So first of all, um, we see it. So you mentioned my, my new publication. It's about disinformation on messenger services. And this is maybe a, a very good example when it comes to the design. Maybe I think nearly all of us are using WhatsApp. 
And since a few years, you see when you forward a message or get a forwarded message that it's forwarded, it's written now there. So this is a part of a design that you see this message wasn't um, created by the the sender um, itself, it was a forwarded message. So we need to think, or platforms need to think about how their platforms are designed, if they are designed to spread disinformation easier or, or to make it easier to spread hate speech, to um, yeah, be, a, be a mean person on, online. And when we talk about better regulation, it's exactly that. We talk um about a bit too much about upload filters. The biggest problem here is that too many politicians think that the problem is the technology. And yes, as I mentioned, platforms have a responsibility, but there are a lot of humans acting on these platforms. So people who are spreading racist or anti-Semitic posts, they have a bigger problem than just the platform. So we need to do a lot with education, a lot with um, programs against against racism, against anti-Semitism, um, and all of this stuff. And uh, we need to um, rethink when it comes also to regulation and the responsibility of platforms. Is like, what are they doing? What are their business models? So um, I don't have an answer yet, but I read a very. Well, I'm still reading a very interesting book, and this uh, person says. Um, when a platform creates or um, um, creates um, the, the news feed for you, like with an algorithm, this is um, something different than a, a, a news feed where you just get in a chrono- chronological order the post from your friends. So if a platform designs your news feed for you, it's not just the platform is more like a media company and needs to be regulated in a different way. And I think this might be a very interesting approach where we can talk or discuss about if this might be more, yeah, then the platform has a bigger responsibility in, in moderating um, content on it. That's a great point because some of the discussions we see more at the judicial level, it's exactly to have that kind of uh, classification done to digital platforms to be more of a news outlet, and then they will have to have that concern. Still on um, regulation, there's what is called the safe harbor, and for our listeners, the safe harbor, it's, um, it's kind of more of like an act, not like a law, but like an act that says that Companies, digital companies should not be uh, liable for contents that are put on the platforms and that then liability, it's transferred to the person that uploads the content. Now, my question to you is, and I know that there's a lot of debate going on in the European Union, the European Commission, and also in our friends in the United States about this. What are your take on the safe harbor laws. Are you agree with most of the people that I read that this has to be maintained or do you think that this can also be changed? I think this needs to be maintained because this is how the internet works. And I think it's the um, the opposite part in the US is section 23. And I read a few weeks ago that these few mm-hmm. words in the section 23 are the, the 18 words or something like they created the the most valuable uh, businesses in the world 
uh, or made them possible. But I think, as I said, we need to rethink like what a platform is and then think about the responsibility they have. So um, I think it's too easy to say um, this safe harbor um, act is we, we need to differentiate more on which it applies. And like when a platform um, is more like a media outlet, as you said, because it it curates the content it gives to me through an algorithm, for example, is it still just a platform or does they create something like a newspaper does? And mm -hmm. I think there, maybe there's the solution. So we need to dig deeper into it and differentiate more also what a platform like Facebook or Twitter really is. Good points. And let's stay with that because um, I've, I'm an addict on Twitter. I must say, you, you know, those meetings, those uh, kind of meetings that you have to introduce yourself and saying, hey, I'm Ricardo and I'm a Twitter addict. That's me. Uh, I know. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of people also that go and look for political content on Facebook, but on those two platforms in particular, but now also with YouTube, with Google, with Alphabet, and also with Reddit, there was something that happened lately that was really interesting and I would like to have your take on it, and that is the pressure from the users. So we're talking mm -hmm. about uh, uh, regulation, we're talking about governments, we're talking about institutions like the European Union, but also persons by themselves, they can try to make a difference. And I noticed, for example, on Twitter with Jack Dorsey, that he reacted to people complaining that Twitter needed to have some kind of system to let people know if what they were seeing was valid or not. And he also decided to suspend all political ads from his platform. And Zuckerberg is also a lot of pressure, under a lot of pressure to have that thing happen. So this is a very positive development. I know you're going to agree with me on that, but what else can we do? What do you think we can go like, for example, there's a lot of uh, NGOs uh, trying to also target the companies that are buying ads. There's uh, some groups in the United States and in Europe that are doing that. What are your take on, on this environment now? I'm not really sure if that if it's the pressure of the users right now I have more the feelings is the pressure of the customers so like you um, mentioned lastly um, with the um, boycott movement now so the customers like the, the companies who um, or buy ads on these platforms uh, I think that there's a lot of high pressure now to due to the uh, COVID crisis because this platform finally recognized, oh, disinformation is very bad for societies. And maybe they recognize that disinformation in the political sector is also bad. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's what it's pretty tough. It's to define what is political. Is political just the ads or the informations from politicians and parties? What about, I just saw a sponsored post from um, the government, the state government here in Berlin. This is normally also politics. So when does politics start and where does it end and how do we define this? So I, the idea is, is not bad uh, at all. So I think they have to do so much more. Um, but I'm, I, I don't really have the answer on what they 
can do more. Maybe a bit more with fact-checking. Um, that there's It's very interesting that, for example, Facebook here in Germany says, yeah, we're working together with fact-checkers. We have around 10 people or something like that, that uh, working for us. But how much is 10 people? What is the amount of disinformation these people have to check? Mm -hmm. So often Facebook announces some numbers like, yeah, we deleted uh, a few thousand uh, fake profiles on our platform. Yes, thank you. But what is the total amount of fake <laughs> profiles? So how much is it? Is it 10%? Is it 1%? Is it 0.0001%? We don't know. So I think there we can force Facebook and all the platforms more to do more fact-checking. It's, it's so complex, this problem, when it comes to manipulation, political manipulation. We need more, uh, well, more media we need more trust in media in germany it's still very high in other countries it's very very low and it's um, decreasing um, like in the uk for example due to the brexit debate um, and that's a, that is a huge problem we have and we need a really we need a holistic approach with education with better media with business models for media outlets because they have so many problems and uh... And now I'm going to step back a little bit because I'm going to talk about something about freedoms and, of course, this being a podcast on the European Liberal Forum and also some of the series we have, it's about freedoms. One of the freedoms that is very important in this new digital world, it's the freedom not only of speech, but also to receive and import information. And it is also, of course, as we know, part of the charts and the declarations that uh, defend this particular right. Now, my question to you, and you were just mentioning, when those companies like Facebook have fact-checkers, if they would try to fact-check everything, then they would be like a Chinese company which which has like complete control of the information and it only, what is considered to be political, correct, uh, it, it it's presented to the uh, to the users. So with that, I'm very concerned about self-censorship. So when, when me as a user, and that happened to me a couple of times already on Twitter, I get a message saying something complained about this tweet in particular. It considered that this, this tweet was offensive. And I look at the tweet and I read it very carefully. And I'm like, I don't see any offense in here. But someone did. Yeah. And Twitter reacted and they had warned me, well, next time you'll have your account suspended. How can we solve this? Apart from all of those holistic solutions that you mentioned and that I'm also very interested in, maybe we can have a, a, one more talk about this in the future with education, with regulation, with a, a, a sound and a healthy environment. But I'm very concerned about this. And where do you think that we are going in this particular? Um, that's such an important topic that you now touch because I think we don't talk about this uh, enough, the self-censorship. I had the uh, similar experience too um, on Facebook, but years ago I quoted my former mayor of, my, of the city where I studied because he used a racist, um, a racist term and I quoted this term because I don't want to mention it I wanted to talk about it and Facebook blocked me for 24 hours and after that I was so afraid to to talk about something just to, to quote I 
to talk about people using racist terms because I was, I said that it's not possible that I may, you know, the stories. And um, it's, that is the problem of bad regulation, I think, because um, if we don't find good regulation, platforms will find easier ways um, to control their content. And then we have these problems you experienced, I experienced, uh, and people will stop using it or expressing their thoughts, their opinions. And it's not only that, it's also the usage of data. I spoke yesterday with a person who said, I'm afraid um, to go ever back to Hong Kong uh, because I'm afraid that they will check what I liked sometimes on Twitter or something like that. And I'm afraid to post something again about the situation in Hong Kong. And um, the self-censorship, I think it's it's a really, really huge problem. Uh, we need to talk more about, but I, because I think so many people ex experience this, this not only and then we come back to this hate speech topic but also because they are afraid that people hatred or often women receive uh, rape threats or something like that and so they are um, going out of the social media sphere because they are afraid to to publish their opinion which is often most of the time uh, a normal opinion in a democratic sphere so let me get into a more of a practical um, situation for our listeners like you and me that went through this. What do you do in that situation? Do you express your opinion and then you fight for it? And then if you have to, you have to send a couple of emails to whoever it's regulating the digital platform and say, hey, listen, this is not like bad speech or polarizing speech or it's not misinformation or I'm quoting someone else should should we mobilize other people and then have those people do the same thing and then Twitter or Facebook will not ban a large group of people because those those people are saying the same thing do you have any idea how, how can we fight this I think we need to make more pressure as civil society as users um, regarding this the platforms and also regarding our politicians um, because they are uh, in part responsible for regulation that forces these platforms to uh, mm -hmm. put this content down and it's not only that they put content down but they miss and this is a part of bad regulation to find instruments or um, processes, ways that we can um, say something against the decision of Twitter, for example. So there are no institutions. If Twitter puts a tweet from me down, even though I, I think it's totally fine with everything, with the law and with the Twitter standards, there's no telephone number, there's no email address or nothing where I can call and say, I'm sorry, I want to complain decision so totally lack of instruments or processes how we can do something mm -hmm. against decisions where we think they are they are wrong and um, it's only like we need to find fast solutions against hate speech against disinformation so platform needs to put it down 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 and that's it and yes. I think that's the biggest problem 
not the biggest. That's that's not the biggest problem. That's a big problem. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we we don't we see always these platforms as evil, and they are they have a huge evil part in them. But we need to talk talk more about like they are part of our daily life. So how can we find nice ways? To make them part of our daily lives with the processes we have everywhere like i can complain everywhere a decision i don't like so yes it's it's a great point and because this future digital services act that will come from uh, the uh, european commission and then of course it will, will try to be uh, a rule for the european union one of the things that i saw from the previous from the uh, preliminary discussions it's exactly uh, protect the uh, safe harbor law that we, do, we just talked about, but also to create systems where people like you and I can contact the digital platform and say, this was uh, canceled by any reason. I want to know the reasons why it was canceled and I want this to be evaluated. And if I'm right, I want this back into whatever my timeline is. So for our listeners, something that you individually can do it's to try to have that fight which is i want this to be part of future uh, whatever acts or laws we have on this and uh, and as we getting to the end of our conversation one thing that you mentioned and i also wanted to talk to it's exactly that abuse of power that you just said that people that are in the corridors of decision making they will say and we've been seeing this with covid-19 also they'll they can say this is fake news this is misinformation this is uh, harmful to you know society so this will be forbidden and you cannot do it also here what can we do to I think it's so hard for people uh, living in these countries where completely shrinking civil liberties there and when leaders abuse their power and say that this information is is disinformation or not allowed here even though it's totally in the it's totally normal but just against their opinion and what can they do it's so tough I think that we we need to have and more awareness on that in the European Union because we have these countries here, sadly. And I think it's we it's so easy to say just yeah, be an active civil society and do something something against it. I think these societies do a lot against it. I think maybe the bigger part is for for me, for example, for everyone living in countries where not everything is fine, but where we have a very, very good democracy, like in Germany, we need to um, look more on these countries and try to help these people, these societies, and especially with our work in the European Union, because we are a union. And so I think it's what I like to address, like for me, for everyone who can try to support these people um, is to do it and um, take awareness on this abuse of power so that our political leaders can address this in um, in diplomatic discussions and everything. So um, because like digital policy is also is foreign policy. So we we need to do more on this field and, and address this also on a very high level, but be a supportive civil society for our friends. Uh, 
all over the world. I can think of a better way to uh, end this conversation for now. You put it very elegantly and I totally echo uh, what you just said right now. Um, people know where to follow you. I already, uh, we already had a conversation where we introduced you. And again, I'm going to put on a show, uh, uh, the show notes, all the links to, for people to follow you on digital platforms. But uh, tell us something that you wrote, for example, that uh, article that you just wrote. And then I'll put a, that one also on the link for people to read it. But tell us what you're doing right now. Right now, um, I just published, as I mentioned yesterday, this this uh, paper on disinformation uh, on messenger services, and I looked at India and Brazil and uh, tried to show the situation in Germany and will be also published in English very soon by the Friedrich Naumann Foundation for Freedom. And um, it's, it's a topic I'd like to address um, more because it's so important and we Uh, we saw it in, in Brazil and in India, that disinformation is spread intensively on messenger services. And it's a total different uh, platform because it's closed. It's Some call it dark social and messengers are not bad. We see it in Hong Kong that it helped so many people who fight for democracy. But um, when we talk about, like we did, what can platforms do against disinformation, it's all in the open sphere, you know, it's accessible for everyone but it's very hard to fight on this on uh, messengers but and i have to say this again and again encryption is very important and we 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 should not touch encryption but we think need to think about um or or be aware on this topic because uh, messenger services are always are mostly used by family and friends and so when a friend sends you a disinformation only by mistake because he thinks that it's true um, you have a total other totally different connection to this you believe him more than you do a total stranger on Twitter uh, so um, and we need to talk more about visuals when we talk about disinformation we think too much about texts and we need to talk more about memes about videos about pictures charts and everything and that's What I try to address and try to speak more or raise the awareness here in Germany and maybe also in the European Union, hopefully, um, to address this topic more. And here again, we need this, a holistic approach because just regulating messenger services or platforms uh, is um, way too short-sighted. I'm going to put the link to the uh, this article on the show notes of the podcast. And Anne, you're always welcome back so that we can continue this very important conversation about this very important issue. But for now, I'm going to thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you again. It was fun again. <laughs> I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. Now for some of the events organized by ELF for this last week of July. On the 30th of July, we have the return on On the Agenda, a new series of webinars. And this one has the title A New International Trade Order. In addition to ongoing ratifications of free trade agreements with Vietnam, the question of the future of the European Union and United Kingdom, also with COVID-19, we have several questions to answer. 
How can we keep supply chains flowing for food and medicine? What role can the European Union have in distributing its values and standards within frameworks of difficult trade relations? And how do we ensure less dependence in Europe for some of the essential products such as medical supplies? To know more about this event, you just have to go to our website, liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. Yeah.